Welcome to the Horizon Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our mission as a church is to win people to Jesus Christ, disciple people in Jesus Christ, and send people for Jesus Christ. If you'd like to learn more or partner with us, simply go to horizon.org. We hope this episode encourages you in your walk with Jesus as you continue to grow in His love and truth. Now, let's join Pastor Bob as we study God's Word together. Hey, you got one of these? Come on, grab your Bibles. First Thessalonians, everybody. Chapter 1. We're going to get a little bit further than last time. <laughs> Were you here last time? We got to the first three words. Uh, we talked about Paul, and we talked about Silas, we talked about Timothy, and we talked about friendship. We talked about the fact that the whole foundation of this is predicated and based upon the gift of friendship. We're going to take that up a notch to the next level of realizing that the friendship is based upon something that is, is, is among us that needs to be shared and lived out in all that we live for. That the, the friendship is, is actually... Um, built upon seeing something go forth in a life-changing way. And that also is found for us here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. So um, find that with me. And then just a bit of historical context that I want to bring to you, and that's found in Acts chapter 17. So if you could find Acts 17 along with uh, 1 Thessalonians, we're going to continue in this eminent series. So glad you're here for it. I know a lot of people are traveling. We're about to travel, taking a big group from the church on the cruise. It's cruise week here at Horizon. And uh, as you were electronically sort of doing the whole bulletin thing online today, signing up for groups and, and, and stuff, um, if, if you wouldn't mind at the same time, follow me on Instagram or Facebook or whatever uh, whatever suits you best, because I'd love to include you in all the stops that we're going to be making and all the sites that we're going to be seeing and the devotions that we're going to be giving. We're going to start in Athens, and then we're going to hit Ephesus, and uh, we're going to go to Cyprus. That's where Barnabas was from. We're going to hit Rhodes, where Paul stops uh, in the midst of his third missionary journey. We're going to spend three days in Israel hitting the hot spots of Jerusalem and the Galilee and Mount Carmel. Going to do a baptism at the Jordan River. And then kind of circle back through the Med and end up in Rome. Wow, it's an amazing trip. Love to include you on it. And uh, we'll kind of be sending pics back, obviously, and uh, little nuggets uh, of our time spent on, on this cruise coming up. So i uh, love to include you on that if, um, if you want to, and then sign up for the next one. I mean, this really is a trip of a lifetime, absolutely uh, amazing, and, um, and, and a lot going on here in the meantime. Mitch is going to preach next weekend, and then we got VBS and, and uh, Missions Weekend, just a great summer, but I'd really love, love for us to devote our lives to now what Paul shares with us, that we should really be living for, whether we're going to be here in town or whether we're going to be away, whether we're going to be traveling in our comings and goings, that we would just seize the opportunity to have the same heart that Paul and Silas and Timothy have as they walk into this city, which is very similar to San Diego, incidentally. In fact, let me show you a picture of it. Here's Thessalonica today. There it is on the screens. And uh, it's a walled city just north of Athens. 
uh, right on the bay, beautiful commercial city, was founded back in the 4th century before Christ. A guy named Cassander uh, founded this city, and it gets established. Cassander was actually a lead officer in the army of Alexander the Great. And so uh, he, 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 he establishes and actually names this city. It's interesting. He names it after his wife. And he names it after his wife, uh, not only to bless her. Now you know his wife's name. What's his wife's name? Thessalonica, right. Uh, and so he, he names the city after his wife. And his wife happens to be the sister of Alexander the Great. So he's schmoozing up to his boss. But he's also blessing his wife and names the city. And one of the most amazing uh, discoveries has been found in, in the city of the Thessalonians. And there's the city gate that certainly Paul and Silas and Timothy would have walked through uh, as they um, begin to share the love and gospel message of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, with this town, uh, which incidentally brings you into the story, because it's why we're here, to reach this town with that same gospel message. And so, look at this passage with me again. Here's how it starts. Paul, Silas, and Timothy, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers and remembering without ceasing your work of faith. Here's what we want to be about. Here's what that whole foundation of friendship is now meant to accomplish, that we'd be known for this, you guys, that we'd be known for this work of faith, of this labor of love, of this patience of hope, in our Lord Jesus Christ and in the sight of our God and Father, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. He picked you, man. He, he chose you. He loved you first. And here's where we want to camp out today. Look at verse 5 with me. For our gospel, everyone say gospel. Gospel. What does gospel mean? Anyone? What's it mean? It means the good news, all right? But you're like, well, which good news? Maybe there's a lot of good news choices out there. I, I don't know how accurate that is or how much good news is really left in the world. And so you got to see this sequence of events that happens. And I think the order matters. The order matters there in verse 1 that you're never going to experience the peace of God without first experiencing the grace of God. Grammy and I were just talking about it backstage in the green room, that there's a lot of books out there right now of people wanting to sort of tap into experiencing the fellowship and the community. Everyone's into community right now. The friendship, the camaraderie, without having any of the obligation or commitment that comes with believing in Jesus Christ. And you can't have it both ways. And so ultimately, this word peace, and we, we immediately want to go to the Hebrew word. What's the Hebrew word for peace? Shalom. But that's not the word he uses here because it's a Greek city, Thessalonica. And so he's reading in the modern uh, nomenclature of the day. He's writing in the Greek language. And the, and the Greek word for peace is not shalom. It's actually a military term. It's not like a lovey-dovey, I got that peaceful, easy feeling. Who's saying that? 
Who sang that? The Eagles, look at you guys knowing that so fast. Okay, it's not that peaceful, easy feeling. It's a military term that the war has been won. That the victory is ours in Jesus Christ. That's what San Diego needs to hear. Not some peaceful, easy feeling. But the fact that the war has been won in Jesus, and that's been won because of His grace. It's the grace that saves us that allows us to then experience the peace in knowing that the victory is ours in Jesus' name. Now, watch the sequence in verse 5. Because the order matters as much in verse 5 as it does in verse 1. You're not going to experience the peace without first the grace. It's never peace and grace. It's grace. And then as a result of the grace, realizing that the war is won, the victory is ours, and the peace fills our hearts. So this gospel in verse 5 didn't come to you in word only. This good news is not just any good news. It's not just in word only, but it's in power. It's in power. There's something, listen, there's something that empowers this book that is open on your lap right now that allows it to become a book like no other book. You can read a lot of books this summer, but there's only one book that reads you. This one's living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. And so what brings this word to life? What gives this word its power? Watch the sequence. Watch the sequence. This gospel, this good news, did not come to you in word only, but also in power. Here's the power. And in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. And I hear from a lot of people, a lot of people that'll write me and say, I am trying to understand what I'm reading. Have you ever felt that way? I am trying to understand what I'm reading. I don't understand. You need the Holy Spirit to illuminate, to open your eyes, to give you the duminous power to understand what you're reading so that what you're reading comes alive. That the Word would become flesh and dwell among you. Even as when we celebrate communion, this bread and this cup, you will partake with me together in Jesus' name and it will be digested into your, into your bloodstream and become a part of you. So this Word this living word is to become a part of you. It is to dwell within you. It is to come alive within you through the power of the Holy Spirit. This gospel, this good news, not just in word only, but in power. You just haven't, you haven't come to hear what I have to say. Pray not. You've come to hear what God has to say. The power is in the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit, watch the sequence, brings much assurance. There's the peace of the victory over the war that's been won for you by the grace of God in Jesus Christ. The sequence matters of this gospel message that comes not in word only, but in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. In other words, this all goes on display in the city of San Diego like it went on display when they walked through that gate into the city of Thessalonica. Let, let me set the context for you. Turn to Acts chapter 17. Check this out. 
Watch what happens, because last time we also turned to the book of Acts, and we saw where Paul meets Silas that was there in chapter 16, and then he meets Timothy there in Acts chapter 15. Okay, so we've seen Acts 15 and Acts 16. Look at Acts chapter 17. Look at verse 1. You got it? Say, got it. Okay, now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica. where there was a synagogue of the Jews. Okay, so the first place, you've seen the city, this walled city, they walk through that gate, first place they go to, where's the first place they go? They go to church. They go to church, they go to the synagogue. Look at verse two. And Paul, as his custom was, in other words, this is not his first rodeo. He's done this various times in other cities. And as was his custom, he went into them. And for three Sabbaths, reasoned with them from the Scriptures. So that's the extent of his visit. And um, I, I just want to submit this to you. What could God do through us in this city for his glory over the course of the next three Sabbaths? Because this, this, this city here, is turned upside down through the power of the good news of the gospel, through the Holy Spirit, and brings assurance that God is for us and not against us. And, 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 and we have this opportunity here now set before us to accomplish the same to the glory of his name. What do you have planned for the next three weeks? I'm going to be on a lot of planes, I'm going to be on boats, I'm going to be in hotels, but if I could just say this, Lord, for the next three weeks, I'm yours. That if you could just say that in your marriage, in your business, in your neighborhood, that we could just occupy every street and every conversation for his glory. People are tuned in right now and desperately in need of some good news. This earthquake thing's it's got them a little shook up. As much as they were freaked out by the first earthquake, what freaked them out more? The second one. And what's freaking them out more than the second earthquake, California? When's that next one coming? You know, all of this is recorded for us and predicted as such and prophesied to be in the Bible. And you have an opportunity to just bring some assurance and comfort of a God that is in control, who is sitting on the throne, that might be allowing things to get shook up a little to get the world's attention before it's all said and done. What could he do through us in the next three weeks if we really availed ourselves to his schedule and agenda instead of our own? That's what's happening here. And over the course of three Sabbaths, this city is never the same. He reasoned with them from the Scriptures. Look at verse 3. Explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead and saying, this Jesus whom I preach to you is the Christ. Now again, where is he? Where is he? Where is he? He's in a synagogue. And he's explaining for a Jewish audience the connection that needs to be made between the God that they believe in and serve and the Jesus that has come as the Messiah of the world. He's connecting the dots and saying, this Jesus is your Messiah. 
This Jesus is your God. That's what he's doing. That's what he's saying. That's what he's explaining. And not only explaining it, but demonstrating it. That's fascinating. And some of them, look at verse 4, were persuaded, it says. Some of them were persuaded. And a great multitude of the devout Greeks. So, so the ones that were persuaded at the beginning of this verse certainly were of the Jewish rank and population in the synagogue. Some of the Jews were persuaded. And along with some of the Jews who were persuaded were a great multitude of devout Greeks. So what exactly are they devoted to? Oh, all of the Greek gods and mythology that rules that entire Greek society and world. Everywhere we will go on this upcoming trip. Athens to Ephesus to Corinth. We're going to visit all these spots have the relics and ruins of temples that were built and devoted to the Greek gods, whether it's Aphrodite or Apollos or Zeus, you name it. And here now, the light has gone on in the city, and devout Greeks to that world's system get saved. Some out of the very synagogue itself are persuaded to believe, and a great multitude of the devout Greeks are persuaded to believe, and not a few of the leading women, Paul says, joined with us, joined the family, joined the team with Paul and with Silas. But the Jews, verse 5, who were not persuaded, becoming envious, they took some of the evil men from the marketplace and they gathered a mob and they set all of the city in an uproar and they attacked the house of Jason. So this Jason guy, best we can say, is running the local Airbnb where Paul and Silas have been staying along with Timothy. He's like the local bed and breakfast guy. And they go and they knock on the door of Jason's house and sought to bring them out to the people. They're like, where's Paul? Well, he's slipped away. They didn't find him. Well, where's Silas? He slipped away. They didn't find him either. Well, where's Timothy? He slipped away. They couldn't find him. So they drag out the, 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 the owner of the Airbnb. Well, you'll have to do. They drag out, look at verse 6, they drag out Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city crying, look at this, crying, these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Hallelujah. That's the power of the gospel. That's the power of life change. That is the purpose and meaning of the community and gift of friendship that we looked at last time. The community and gift and foundation of friendship that this letter begins with all has a meaning and purpose attached to it, that being the gospel. The gospel, the good news. The sharing of the life-changing work that God through His Son has made available for all who believe. That's the chief aim of God. Yeah, certainly friendship as we saw last time, but the friendship with the purpose attached to it of the gospel going forth. 
and souls being saved and, and, and marriages being healed and, and names being added to the book of life. The aim of God is the gospel. The aim of us is the gospel. The aim of the church is the gospel. The only reason that we're not in heaven this glorious Sunday morning, the reason God hasn't answered your prayer when you've prayed, Maranatha, come quickly. Lord, just come back already. Why hasn't he? Because of the gospel. Because of the gospel of not wanting your unsaved family members to go through eternity separated from his love. Not wanting your, your teammates and, and, and your co-workers and your neighbors and your friends to miss out on all that he is now in this moment preparing for us to enjoy in his presence forever. You see, the gospel is the heart and the soul and the guts of the matter. And it needs to become now the meaning and the purpose of the friendship that we enjoy together. So what is this gospel? Well, it's, 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 it's this. It's God's only Son who provides eternal life. There it is. G, God's. O, only. S, Son. P, provides eternal life. Now you know it. The gospel. And it needs to be shared in this town and community. It can no longer be the best kept secret. We've got to share it like Paul, Silas, and Timothy share it in Thessalonica. We've got to get the word out. We can't be adrift about this. We can't be aloof about this. We can't be thinking that someone else is going to handle this for us. We've got to go for it. We've got to go for it this summer. We've got to together say, okay, Lord, I'm giving you the next three weeks, the next three Sabbaths. You can even stretch that out if you want. Give them the next month. What do you got planned for the next month? If you really devoted yourselves as they do to this, then the gospel would go forth in a life-changing way and what they say about them, they would say about us. They've turned the world upside down. For this is great news that we get to share with our little harbor town and city by the sea. That God's only son provides eternal life. In other words, we get to share the greatest news ever, you guys. We got to get amped and pumped and excited about it that God loves people. God loves people. God loves you. This is the whole message. God loves you. He's not mad at you. He doesn't want to stamp out all of your fun. He doesn't want to put you on restriction, and he certainly doesn't want to send you to hell. He wants to have a, a, a relationship. The last thing he wants is for you to go off and get religious. He wants you to have a relationship with him. He wants to be your friend. The Bible says that God showed up and talked with Moses like a man would talk to his friend. That's what he wants with you this week. That's what he would love to see happen over the course of not just the next three weeks, but the rest of our lives. As he shows up to, to fellowship and enjoy the friendship with, with Adam and Eve in the garden, so he desires the same with you and I, that we get to be the ones that share the great news that God isn't mad, that God isn't angry, that God actually is a God of love, that he loves you. And as much as they are now rocked and shaken by the sequence of earthquakes, I think they need to hear that really, really good news. Secondly, they need to know this, that sin, our sin, our sin has separated us from that love. Our sin has changed the relationship and severed the fellowship. He hasn't changed. We changed. 
And our sin separated us from him. Here's an amazing verse back here in Isaiah. Let me just read it to you. It says, our iniquities have separated us from God. It's Isaiah 59, verse 2. And our sins have hidden his face from us. See, not only does our town need to know how much God loves them, but they need to understand as they look at the problems that plague us right now on the planet, they need to understand the cause of that because they want to blame God, but God is a God of love. And if they want to place blame, we need to place the blame where the blame deserves to be placed, and that's on our sinfulness. That's what has separated us from this love of God. But let's get back to the good news, because getting back to the good news means that San Diego or Thessalonica also needs to be reminded that that sin has been paid for. Hallelujah. That that sin that caused the separation has been atoned for. That ultimately that sin has been forgiven. Hallelujah. He has taken our sin and he has deleted it. He has erased it. He has removed it as far as the east is from the west. You guys, he's not only forgiven it, he's forgotten it. And that's really good news, again, that our town needs to hear. The sin has been paid in full. Fourthly, get this, that people need to believe this. That we just can't leave this up to karma. We just can't leave this up to chance, as, 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 as we talked about last week, and that sometimes we'll just leave friendship up to random chance. We'll leave it up to the horoscope. Are you kidding me? We'll leave it up to fortune cookies. We need to be a little bit more deliberate about the friends that we choose and certainly the friends that our kids choose because the amount of, 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 of influence that is established there through the connection and community of the friends that we make, so also, dear friends, we cannot leave eternity up to chance. You can't leave eternity up to chance just hoping randomly that it all works out. People need to believe this. They need to believe this in order to be saved. And in believing it, you know what they get? Eternal life. They get the gift of eternal life. And that gift is unearned. It's not something that you somehow muster up to deserve when life is finally over and done. Like, like, are you going to heaven? And some people like look at me and they're like, well, I hope so. There should be no hope so about it because it isn't based on you. Eternal life, it doesn't start after you die. It starts now that he has ultimately and forever defeated your foe. He has taken the sting out of death. He has removed the victory from the grave. The war is over. It is done. Eternal life is yours, but it's not earned by you. You're saved by grace through faith, not of yourself. It is the gift of God. And once you've received the gift of eternal life, guess what? Good news. You can't lose it. I know there's a lot of wonky teaching out there. So let me just say it again. Losing this gift of eternal life, not possible. Amen. Why? Because it wasn't about you to earn it. So if it wasn't about you to earn it, how could it be about you to lose it? In fact, one of my favorite verses is in John chapter 6. John chapter 6. I, I, I think it'd be a great verse for you to know Maybe even a great verse for you to memorize. Because it's Jesus, and he says this. 
The words in John chapter 6, written in red. Listen to this. Listen to what he says. It's verse 37. He says, all, and I've done my homework. You know what the word all means? All. All. And that's all that all means. All. Everyone say all. All. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. Hallelujah. You, 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 you can't lose because of the love of God who although we have sinned and all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, he has forgiven and atoned and paid the price for our sin in full. He has paid that price and erased it and removed it forever. And people need to believe this and the gift of eternal life is theirs when they do and losing it is not possible. Do you see what we've done? That is the gospel, G-O-S-P-E-L. And San Diego is in dire need of some good news that we have the opportunity to share with them. That's it. In fact, that's the entire foundation upon which this church exists. And if you go online, you know, it's electronically signing up for our summer small groups, or if you look at our bulletin, it is staring you back on, on, on everything, the front page, the splash page, the bulletin, that we are here to exist for that purpose and that purpose alone, to see people one to Christ, discipled in Christ, and sent out for Christ. Just break it down with me for a second, and let's just be reminded why we're here and why the trumpet hasn't sounded. Why hasn't it sounded? Because the Lord wants to use us to win people to His name. To win them. In fact, turn to 1 Thessalonians. Because in 1 Thessalonians, this again becomes the foundation of the message that Paul and Silas and Timothy share. Look at verse 5. Chapter 1, verse 5. Our gospel did not come to you in word only, but in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. They are simply coming into town with their arms wide open, extending the invitation for people to join the family of God. And maybe you're here today, and your background and your heritage and your upbringing is, is Buddhism or Hinduism or Islam or Mormonism. You see, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The, the same invitation of you being one to Jesus Christ remains constant and equal across all playing fields that he wants for you to experience what they experience there in verse 5. It's called evangelism. It's evangelizing. And we are, the, we are the tools, the instruments, the hands and the feet, the, 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 the lips and the eyes, the ears, the mechanism through which. It's crazy, I know, that he would pick to choose to use us, but he has. And we can't be aloof about it. We've got to realize that that's exactly why we're here and why the trumpet didn't sound, that we could be used across the course of the next three weeks as we devote that over to his concern and heart and even the weeks that would follow after that should he tarry to see people one. Secondly, to see them discipled. Look at chapter 2. Look at verse 12 in chapter 2, that you would walk worthy of God. Now let me tell you, that doesn't happen immediately didn't happen overnight 
The salvation that came to you as you were one to Jesus Christ is now something that provides the relationship to grow on a daily basis as we together are discipled. To be discipled there in chapter 2, verse 12, that we would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. It's a very encouraging word that God wants to use us in this gift of friendship, in this gift of community, in this gift of fellowship to see the gospel go forth. Here's the problem a lot of times. We don't like people. We don't like them. We're just like, oh, Lord, really? I just got to help these people? I mean, these people are driving me nuts. And now all of a sudden, you know what's happened like in the last 30 seconds? We've been discipled and reminded and encouraged to have the same heart for our neighbor and for our friend and for our coworker as the Lord has for our neighbor and for our friend and for our coworker. We need that. We need that together. We need this nudge. We need this gentle reminder. That's discipleship. Discipleship equals encouragement. And that's what the summer small groups are all about. That's what a trip like this is all about. It's not the places we go. It's the people we interact with, you guys. Please know that that's our heart. It's not in going and seeing a bunch of churches and relics, but falling in love with people. And God wants to use you for that right here in town. I mean at 7-Eleven. And be careful, if you hang out at 7-Eleven too long, he's going to give you a heart for people who love hot dogs and Slurpees. You're going to be into yoga and do your whole studio thing? Fine. I'm tired of arm wrestling with you about it. Just go to the studio with the gospel. Go to work with the gospel. Get on the plane with the gospel. You're going to be sitting next to that person for five hours anyway. You want to get involved in prison ministry? We have more prisons that are open and available to us as a church than we have people to go and share the gospel in those prisons. You want to be a chaplain in the FBI? Please come and help. The place is falling apart. It needs a lot of love and encouragement and good news if you haven't noticed these days. The sheriff's department, begging for more chaplains. The hospitals, overrun with sick people if you haven't noticed. The border, I think a bunch of kids down there would love an arm around them and a backpack full of goodies and snacks and toys to get them through. This is our chance. This is our lap. This is our time. This is our opportunity to be that encouraging word that shares with the world there is a better way. And it's being one to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's being discipled in Jesus Christ. And we have now just been encouraged and discipled in the last couple of minutes. To do what? To do what with it? To allow it to go in one ear and out the other? No, thirdly, to be sent out. Third, to send them out for Jesus Christ, to win them to, to disciple them in, and to send them for. Look at chapter 4. Look at chapter 4, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 1. It says, Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more. Go for it, he's saying. He's cheering us on. He's saying, go for it. This is your lap. Run it with your heart's desire. Looking unto Jesus, he's like, 
abound more and more just as you have received from us how you ought to walk and how you ought to please God. Now go for it. He sends them out. In other words, he engages them to go make a difference. To go and make a difference. You guys, you can't spell gospel without go. Go. Go do it. And some of you, I'm telling you what, in, this, in, 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 that, in, in, that, in that spot where the Lord has placed you, I mean, just bloom for his glory. Turn it up a notch. Take some of these things to heart. Allow this to really resonate with you like the friendship talk did last weekend. Let it now resonate in such a way that you are all about this as Paul and Silas and Timothy are all about it when they go into that town, that we too, together to the glory of his name, would turn this town upside down. Just think of the revival that could happen over the course of our weekend services this July Sunday, I'm telling you what, in the next three weeks, we could see amazing things happen to the glory of his name. If we were really eminent about it. Because we're either eminent about it or we're not. We're either like, uh, I don't know, I just really, I've got other, really? Like what? Well, you know, I've got this and I've got that. Really? Because if those are the things that you're eminent about, then you're going to entirely miss out on what we are designed and intended to accomplish for his glory. And the only reason that we're not in heaven right now is to do this. But if we're not eminent about it, I mean, like, are we really eminent about friendship? Really making these friendships the influence that they're meant to be? Are we eminent about the gospel? Are we eminent about living for his glory, living out his word? Like, what if we were really eminent about it? We could do things like, I don't know, what if we did this? I mean, let's just take the next three weeks. What if over the next three weeks we memorized 1 Thessalonians chapter 1? You're like, oh, I just lost half of you. It's only 10 verses. Relax. It sounds impressive. We memorized 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 as a church. 10 verses you know Chuck Swindoll was asked when people come to Christ what book do you refer them to to begin this relationship in right and he used to come up and speak at Forest Home all the time when he was the pastor at the uh, first evangelical free church in Fullerton he would come up regularly and teach and he would say oftentimes when people join the family when they accepted Christ when they started this new relationship we would encourage them to start with what book? Not Genesis. We tell them to start with, with John, with the Gospel of John. It's a great place to start your relationship with Christ. And I couldn't agree more. You know what he says now? And I highly respect this guy. I love Swindoll. I'm a big fan of Swindoll. He says, I have found a book that I feel is actually a better beginning place than even the Gospel of John for new believers to start and understand what's happened and now how they are to live. You know what that book is? First Thessalonians. How amazing that we'd be studying that this summer. How amazing that we together now have the privilege of saying, God, these next three weeks are yours, and we're going to be eminent about this. Some of you are like, you keep using that word. I don't know if I understand what it means. What does it mean? It means at hand. It means at hand. It means this is what it's to be all about. That his return is imminent. It could happen any moment. Okay, it didn't happen right at that moment. So what are we going to be about in the moments waiting for his imminent return? We need to be imminent about some things. Namely, friendship, 
fellowship, relationship, gospel message going forth like it's unrivaled in the importance of which it has in our hearts that we are literally living for it like we're living for His return. If you're not living for His return, you need to get born again. You need to join the family. You need priorities switched and tweaked and turned so that it's all for Him and for His glory that you now imminently find yourself living because that's what Paul comes and shares and that's what turns this city upside down. He hits the hot topics. Who is He? He's God. Is He coming again? Because ultimately that becomes the big question, right? Okay, so like if His return is so imminent, right? Peter has to address this. Where is this imminent return and promise of His coming, right? That's 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 4. 2, 3, 4. That's how you remember that one. Memorize it. 2 Peter, 2 Peter, 3, 4. Where is this promise of His imminent return? And Peter has to address it, and he says, He's not slack concerning his promise he hasn't forgotten us he hasn't abandoned us he's long-suffering for the sake of the gospel not wanting any to perish right but all to come to a saving knowledge of his love and so what paul is eminent about look at chapter one look at first thessalonians chapter one look at look at the very end look how that chapter ends look at the end of chapter one Look at this, verse 10. And to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Look at the end of chapter 2. Look at the end of chapter 2. Chapter 2, look at verse 19. For what is our hope or our joy or our crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at His coming? He wants everything to be shifted and focused now on the, on, the, on the imminent return of Jesus Christ. That's what we're living for. And that's what we come alongside people in this town and help them to begin to live for. Look at the end of chapter 3. Look at the end of chapter 3. Look at this. Look at look what he says, verse 13. So that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all of His saints. Again, the focus is for that that we need to live. Look at the end of chapter 4. You seeing a theme? Look at the end of chapter 4. Look at verse 17. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Look at the end of chapter 5. Chapter 5, verse 23, Now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, whole soul, and whole body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. That's the truth that is the foundation of the gospel, and that gives the urgency for us in our friendships to make it our aim to bring this topic to the surface a bit more regular and often. This needs to be the truth that we share with our town. This needs to be the truth that we share with our friends and with our neighbors. Some of you have friends and neighbors that are like, well, what is truth? That's what Pilate says. And it's gotten to be a little crazy out there to know the difference between truth 
and fake news. I mean, you have countries around the world that hear nothing nonstop but fake news. And maybe our country is one of them. Certainly Iran is one of those countries that daily they are told to hate America and now daily being told to hate Europe. And certainly their hatred towards America and their newfound hatred towards Europe that is turning on them rapidly is all predicated upon their hatred towards Israel, the great Satan. And you have an Ayatollah that begins to spew that false doctrine daily into the hearts and the minds of all of the precious people that make up the kingdom of Iran. And yet at the same time, truth is going forth and evangelism is taking place. And many, mainly through dreams and visions, are, are experiencing the presence and power and forgiveness and reality of a Messiah named Jesus of Nazareth. Amen. In spite of the lies and the hatred and the false, the, the, the false doctrine that continues to go forth, and we have families in this church right now who would love, love, love for you to pray with them for their family members in Iran that are caught and stuck underneath the agenda of that lie. Probably just as much you're seeing in the news, maybe even more, is this, is this realm and empire that exists in North Korea. And a book that's just been released by the bureau chief of the Washington Post that is based in Beijing that's gone in and out of North Korea more than any other reporter. That is just pulling back the facade of how they have been duped and lied to now for generations because of this regime. And, 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 and really calls it out, this crazy sort of bromance that is existing now between, between our administration and that. It's a little crazy. And ultimately, they have this guy on the far right that's the grandfather of the whole thing. His name is Kim Il-sung. He is the eternal leader of North Korea. Died in 94, but they believe as the eternal leader, he didn't really die. He's very, very dead. But they daily are told that he's not. And that he continues eternally to rule and reign. He has a son, Kim Jong-il, that you know very, very well, who they are told on a regular, if not daily basis, was the son of Kim Il-sung and born under a double rainbow, which is deity in North Korea. They are told that this guy, Kim Jong-il, was the inventor of the hamburger. I'm not making this up. That he learned to walk in three weeks. Are you hearing me, cry room? Three weeks he learned to walk, invented the hamburger, but never defecated once in his life. How do you invent the hamburger and never go to the bathroom? I don't know how those things go together. Sorry to ruin your lunch appetite, but this is what they are told in North Korea about this leader on a daily basis, that he is a global fashionista. That his, do you remember these jumpsuits? swept the entire planet. It was the rage, and he was the fashionista behind it. I don't know about you. I didn't get that memo. Hillary got it. I don't think anyone else got the memo on the jumpsuits. 
They're being told this on a daily basis. They're told that he invented golf, that he's the greatest golfer ever, that his very first golf game, he shot 11 holes in one. 11 holes in one. And, and, and at the end, his score was 38 under. And then he gave up golf after the first round. Why not? Why not end on top? And gives birth to this son who is now called and known. You know what he's known by? He is the majestic comrade, Kim Jong-un. And they believe and are told daily that he descended from heaven. I mean, that takes fake news to a whole new level. We got the same problem plaguing us here. The history textbooks that are being rewritten as to the foundation upon which this nation was formed. And when it was formed, do you know that 16 years after our nation was discovered, the first university was started, Harvard. I'm not picking on Harvard. I'm just stating the fact that it was the first of our learning institutions and universities all dedicated and devoted to the furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, when you graduated from Harvard, your diploma was stamped with this seal that in the center of it says veritas, veritas in Latin, truth. This is the truth. But not just any truth. Because if you're not careful, you could be buying into a truth that's being propagated by the Ayatollah in Iran or the comrade in North Korea. They're stamping their diploma with a truth and around it saying Christo e Ecclesia, the truth of Christ and his church. That was the founding principle and entire purpose of Harvard University. And they have long lost their way but you can't visit Harvard this summer on vacation without seeing the pillars to every entrance that say Veritas Christo e Ecclesia and I this morning just want to say as we celebrate communion that we can't lose sight of the fact that that is our motto and that is our purpose and that is our meaning and that's why we remain here to impact our world and our city like Paul impacts his for the glory and the honor and life change that is found and available, the sealing of love and forgiveness that is found in the name of Jesus and Jesus alone with each friend and neighbor and person at the beach, and friend wherever we happen to find ourselves with the opportunity to share. Let's share it. Let's share it like it is entirely the meaning and purpose of our lives and existence. Let, let, let's share it loudly. Let's share it boldly. Let's go. Let's do it. Let's, let's take these next three weeks and devote ourselves to seeing the gospel go forth in a life-changing way. You see these kids coming back from camp so fired up. And I'm hoping and praying that that fire doesn't die off soon. Hundreds of them coming back from Hume. Hundreds more going next week. The VBS kids that are coming in on this campus. And may that just infect all of us 
contagiously, you guys, with a love for Jesus that we just can't contain any longer. But we want to shout from the rooftops. Amen? When we used to go to camp, we used to sing, I got peace like a river. I got joy like a fountain. And I got love like an ocean in my soul. You remember singing those songs? I got peace like... Let me tell you why you have that peace like a river. Let me tell you why you have that joy like a fountain. Let me tell you why you have that love like an ocean. You know why? Because your truth today isn't a river. Because the moment your truth becomes a river, your life is in a mess. You can have peace like a river, you cannot have truth like a river. You can have joy like a fountain, but the moment your truth becomes fluid, and it can just spill out and be whatever you want it to be on any given day, chaos. And a very difficult and confusing time of trying to figure out what's real and what's false if you're going to let your truth be an ocean. You can go over to Cardiff and you're like, well, there's really no end to this. There better be to your truth. Your truth can't be a river and it can't be a fountain and it can't be an ocean. It's got to be a solid, firm foundation upon which you stand. And once it becomes that, you will have peace like a river. And you will have joy like a fountain when your truth is not fluid, but firm. So when you take this bread, when you take this cup, may it not just be a walk down memory lane of what Jesus Christ has done for you 2,000 years ago, but the truth that he wants to fill you with here and now, today, the very power that raised him from the dead is the power that dwells in you, my beloved brother and sister in Jesus. And with that power and with that truth, he calls us to be a church today that goes forth in his name to turn this world upside down for his glory. May many names in San Diego be added to the Lamb's Book of Life these next three weeks and the weeks to follow if you should tarry Lord Jesus would you use every word that we say every thought that we think every step that we take for the purpose of seeing the good news go forward in life-changing ways, knowing the days are evil, may we together redeem the days, redeem the time for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining the Horizon Church Podcast with Pastor Bob. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast channel. And if this message has blessed you, please share it either directly or on social media. If you live in the San Diego area, we'd love to have you join us at a weekend service or to catch our live stream, visit horizon.org live every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. Pacific. If you'd like to learn more or partner with us, simply go to horizon.org. 
Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We'll see you next time.